sounds fun. Quality card. Get the ember. Love it. And welcome to Keyforge Premier League Weekly with myself, Fifth Planet Keyforge, aka Jupiter from Manlius, New York, and my esteemed co-host. Cool. Hey guys, it is Drazkor. Okay, maybe not so esteemed, but no. <laughs> <laughs> some guy, some, some guy, guy to, he, he calls me. It's like, are we gonna record? That we do, you know. It's just you know to make him happy, you know. <laughs> nah, nah, we're we're back, we're back, we're back, and um, we are going to continue with some of what we have started to structure from last week, and we're gonna start this week off with Noob School Part Two, since uh, some people have actually liked it, and I've been talking to a lot of new players. Players. Um, so I'm very excited for this segment now as uh, I get some feedback from these new players about things that they want us to talk about and stuff. Um, last week we kind of touched about touched upon like looking at decks and the idea of what decks are and um, what the parts of each deck were and the types of each deck were and things like that. Um, we could go into more about that if we need to. But uh, for today um, we decided that like this is the continuation from last week where we had said there's basically three phases of every game and that's an important part of it. So today we're going to talk about the most important important phase to me i think and it is the early game how do you feel about that drascore i think it's important right it's how you set up the rest of the game right so having a good start can be very important to to set the rhythm set the tempo set the momentum in your favor so yeah. having an idea of what you're going to do early is important Right, and so that goes with the first step of any tournament or gameplay that you want to do. Is the first step is is you need to know your card. Um, you need to know what is in your deck and what is good and what is going to be playable early game. There are a lot of cards that benefit you early game if they get out and when they're played. And those are the cards that you need to mulligan to. Um, so there's a handful of these cards. Like we could go on for days about certain cards and what cards and stuff like that. But let's uh, pick one from uh, each set. Drascore. Let's do that. Let's play a okay. game. This is a game he wasn't ready for, so... No, <laughs> no. Alright, alright, alright. And quite honestly, I wasn't either. I just, off the top of my head, came up with this, <laughs> but a, I could talk about... Divine inspiration. Yeah, I, I could talk about early game cards all day long, and uh, what, what ones are best or good. Let's just name three each. We'll just do that. Like, any set. Um, okay. so, so, I will let you go first, since I put you on the spot, because it's a little bit easier if I don't start cutting your list off right away. Okay. Okay, okay. Uh, so, early game cards. So, uh, I was playing with captain val jericho the other day okay right? so yeah that's a that's a quality uh, early game uh card and we'll talk more about it in a little bit but we're, we're just going to list them out we want you to kind of have time to think and process why these would be good um you know first turn card players so i'm going to go with eureka um as my my one of my first ones and one of my favorite ones good one yeah so go, one. Go, go ahead and name name another one uh, let's do well. Let's do from last uh, podcast. We talked about auto encoder. Auto encoder is definitely one you want early and and not as much late. So that's a good one. Yeah, I, and I think that that brings a certain value to the deck. I'm gonna go with one that changes the game in a different way. With uh, as we've seen in some of the KFPL games with custom office. Um, mm. I think I think that mm. that's a very uh, that's kind of like a counter to the uh, the auto encoder play, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. Uh, well, which which you gonna get out first, right? So right. So <laughs> so you name one more card, and then I'll name one more card, and then we'll talk about it. 
All right. Um, so I guess I'm, you know, I'm immediately going back to previous episodes in my mind. So uh, if I'm playing a Quixelstone deck, I want my Quixelstone out early so I can impact that game uh, early. Yeah, and I think it's not it's not um, unheard of that we we're here we're seeing a lot of artifacts that are early game monsters, right? Because artifacts sure. stick to the board. They usually don't create too much of an amber push like off the go. And you only can play one card, so you want to make it have the most uh, impact that you can. So I'm going to go with one from Dark Tidings that I really like early. Like if I'm in the first place position and I get it, I, I really like it. And that's um, Archon's Callback, is it called? I think. I have to look it up to make sure I'm not Wait, being retarded. Uh, Omega Drive 5 cards yeah, and logo? Yeah, that oh, card. Look at me! I actually remembered a card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to say that I, I wasn't wrong about that, but I'm going to look up that card real quick because I don't want to be... But I'm pretty sure it's Archon's Callback. I think um, you're right. Yeah, and uh, just the idea of being able to draw five cards off of... Like, you have six in your hand, you're drawing five more on top of it. First turn play, like... Pretty, could be pretty devastating to... Uh, yeah, Archon's Callback. I wasn't wrong. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, so I, I almost sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> but uh, Archon's Callback, it will do that for different reasons, right? So the idea here is like, you know, so these are the things that you're looking for early on. And so the, when we, we talk about early game, right, the first thing you need to do is you need to know your list. Um, it's important to be able, be able to identify tools like these in your early game because they help set your tempo of like how your deck is going to play out, right? Like how fast or how efficient or what your deck is trying to do early on in the game. Um, and it's important to know these cards, but it's also important to know these cards because you want to know how your opponent is going to try to come out early on in the game. Um, a good example of that is like when we talked about customs office, custom office is a card that basically when it comes into play, it is an artifact. And what it does is it taxes your um, opponent by making them have to pay one amber in order to play an artifact. Um, and so it comes in, it doesn't put any amber in your pool for them to steal or do anything or manipulate. And it's just like a solid artifact that hits the board and says, I'm turning off a whole aspect of your game if you're playing artifacts. And it, as you know, with uh, like DAV and auto encoder and all these other, you know, crazy artifacts that have been like starting to swirl around, like um, this card has just gained value over time, right? Like um, it came out in Coda and um, it's just gotten better in the long run and uh, if you don't believe me go watch some of jay philip egg's games that uh where he has a customs office that comes out and when it lands early man it's it can cripple you he actually just defeated uh shaka who was like running hot in the league undefeated basically throughout everything mm -hmm. he took his first loss last week and in, in a single his first game loss in the event and then this week he lost both he lost two games and, and got eliminated um so quality of competition but a lot of that was because in game three Jay Philippeg was able to first turn custom office against an artifact heavy deck and it just totally threw his deck's rhythm out of whack. It was a great disruptive. Yeah, it could be a big deal against decks that want to play a lot of strong artifacts. And I, and I feel like there's a decent number of those around, right? There's a lot of strong artifacts in in recent sets, right? Definitely in in mass mutation. Uh, you know, I'm still getting the feel for Dark Tidings artifacts, but it seems like there's some really powerful ones there as well. So your new school homework is take your favorite deck, look at the deck list, look at your 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 Archon card, and start to figure out what cards are your early game cards, and how many do you have, and how many houses are represented in each of those, because that's an important factor in your early game too, because you have to draw into these cards, right? You're only drawing six, so you're drawing one sixth of your deck every time you draw your opening hand and the more the better but you also want diversity you want them to be in different houses you want them to be different like 
things, but all in all, you want them to basically be your, your, your starting block for your deck, right? And like whatever those early plays are, if it's going to be, if you're in an Amber Rush situation, that's where something like Eureka is super important or Archon's callback because you're going to get a first turn, draw two, gain three Amber, or you're going to get a first turn, draw five cards. Like that's like out of the block, you're basically now setting a hard pace and you can basically start to put pressure on and keep pressure moving if you're playing that kind of thing. If you're playing a control deck, then maybe something like Quixelstone, Custom Office, Auto Encoder, things like that. Those are things that you want to see hit the board and uh, basically start to help you set your pace and slow the tempo down and get to a place where you can control the game better. Um, Auto Encoder could arguably be even used as a first turn play for a, a, a rush style deck as well, but it would be a, it would be a different style of rush, right? And then you have like Captain Valjerico, where that's like that tempo thing where it's like, I'm going to play this card and just always outvalue you every turn. And that's my goal is to outvalue you every turn. Again, that is my definition of tempo, right? Like some people say it doesn't exist. I, I, I can't, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't let go of that term or that ideology <laughs> because I think that that is definitely tempo when you're just outvalue, you're out gaining your opponent every time you play cards. Um, that's kind of how you want to be in Keyforge, right? Like most of the time. So, um, so early on, like I think all of these moves are important and, and things to think about. But so if you're playing your first card, right, and you're saying, okay, what do I want? To, what do I really want to get? Right. I think one of the things you want to be learning with your deck, right, and this takes some practice, right, but is, hey, what cards in my deck are you know worth uh, working hard to mulligan for, quote unquote, hard mulliganing for. Which ones are maybe more soft mulligan territory, if you will? And which ones aren't really worth mulliganing for at all? You should just be looking for your hand composition when you're uh, deciding how to start out, right? And and I think different decks are different there. Some decks don't have really hard mulligan cards, right? You just want to play as many cards as you can because you got a lot of value cards, right? And then you're probably looking more at, hey, what... What is my hand composition? Do I have a whole bunch of cards of one house in my hand at the beginning? That might be good enough, right? Well, it or, depends. It, sometimes that depends on whether you're at seven or six, right? Because sure, if you're sitting at seven, then having like five of one house and one of uh, a house is kind of a good start because you can sometimes bait into the one house you know you're not going back to and kind of clear that card for a bigger turn on turn two where you have more, more depth. Or sometimes you, you bait into the house that you're coming back to because you want to get a head start on a good card. Like a, mm -hmm. say a, like you want to get a head start on um, like, library of Babel, like example right so you know you're going back sure. into logos and you want to draw a card so you come hard in a library of Babel, or you come hard in a, a you know a doc booked in or whatever um and you try to basically set up a value turn for the second go when you know you're going to you dump the rest of the cards with it um so again that comes to with it comes into like knowing your deck and what you want to do with your deck right yep. um so again that's phase one but phase two mm -hmm. is reading your opponent's card deck list at the, in the beginning of the game for two minutes right you have two minutes to basically look it over and memorize it um so we talked about memory drills and things like that with jason back when we had him on but this is where that comes into play because now you have to basically be able to not only memorize what is in their deck and like know what is coming at you like what a value or, or, or problematic things that are coming at you but you also need to understand and see what their game plan is because that's how you disrupt it and that's how you know hey man i don't have a great chance against this i need to just make as many as much amber and hope he doesn't answer me right sometimes that's the solution sometimes there is in a couple times in albany where i looked at the deck list across from me and i'm like if this game goes long i lose like i'm just gonna throw amber and hope he doesn't hit 
you know, they, I hope that they don't hit the, uh, you know, the answer to it because that's the only Mm -hmm. real chance I have of winning. And I won two of those games. So like, um, it was, you know, it was pretty interesting, you know, that because I was able to identify and go aggressive, like it makes it look like I'm just playing carelessly, but at the same time, it's like, I know I need to do that. But then there's other times when I look at a deck and I go, man, I have time. I can breathe a little bit. I can, I don't have to rush myself. So this allows me to chain myself maybe with better cards for later plays, more so than I would against a deck I don't feel I can do that against, right? So that's like another whole art of the early game and uh, like the pregame almost, like, right? It's not even early game because this is before we even start that you're basically starting to set your trends and your paths, right? Because the better you plan out your game and the better you know how you want the game to go, the better you're going to know whether you're behind or ahead and you can make moves accordingly. You can be more reckless and aggressive or, you, you know, what seems reckless and aggressive or you can be more, you know, tight to the tight to the hip and like uh, look like you're chaining yourself and waiting. Um, these are all things that good players do and they know how to do it well. And obviously that flow, uh, that flow and that tide are very important. Like if you've heard Z say many, many times when on our casts and throughout Archon's Corner and stuff like that, he always says this is a game about making you know, good decisions, but it's not, you don't win with your good decisions. You lose because you make bad decisions, right? You're basically, you're basically, <laughs> all, you're basically the more decisions you make that were wrong um, are the ones that are going to stack up and end up coming back to bite you in the end. And sometimes you like, you have to make a, like a, a smart guess, right? You have to, you're at a split and you're like, I could go this way or that way. And you have to live with that split. Um, and the better mm-hmm. you get at knowing your deck and how your deck, your opponent's deck wins and how you know how you win and you know what the matchup is like, the more familiarity you have with your deck, the uh, easier those choices become. So early yeah. game or early game is actually just learning your deck so well that you know exactly where it's going, where you want to go when you see certain card interactions and stuff like that. It's almost autopilot for you because that means you don't have to strain yourself thinking about it, right? Like it's just intuitive to you at that point. And that's when you know that you're like really driving your deck and you're not just reacting to your deck. Um, and so that's huge for new players to figure out and learn, I think. Um, yeah. And now if that sounds a little intimidating, right? Because it might, it might, right? Like, like that's a lot we're talking talking about both understanding your deck understanding your opponent's deck like that's a lot to do it all all at once but right. but you can you can take steps to get there right so uh you know we talked about customs office as one of the cards right so let's just say that you've got a deck and you got customs office and you're thinking to yourself okay um i've got a you look at your cards in your hand you don't have custom office right you got a mediocre hand maybe it's okay not wonderful right it's not an obvious mulligan well how could you set yourself up for success in that scenario? Hey, when you took those two minutes, right? Or maybe you're on TCO and you just look, but hopefully <laughs> we're, we're back to playing for real in person at some point. Look at their card and say, okay, I know I have custom office in my deck. Look at the artifacts on their list. Am I going to want a mulligan for customs office or not based on my opponent's deck? That's like one thing you can do based on your deck and you can practice doing that. And then over time, you can layer more and more things on uh, by, you know, by thinking about your deck and looking at your opponent's deck list. But you can start small and practice. Yeah, I think the first thing, like step one, like this will be the end of Noob School for this week. We'll go back, come back and talk more about stuff. But the 
practice point for you guys uh, is this, like if you want to, is like uh, you learn your deck inside and out to where you can name all 36 cards in your deck, how many of each card you have, like what your lines are, all those things, right? Step one, do that. Um, that's something that really just takes you to just keep playing it on TCO or just study your deck. Uh, I like to write things down and make like a flow chart and like basically put decks in, in, in positions and say, this is an early game card. This is a mid game, late game. You know, we'll get into all that stuff in the near future. But um, like basically I like to lay it all out like that and then like basically make connections and visually look at it and play with it like on paper and draw like flow charts basically um it's very insane ocd you don't have to go that far but that's how mm -hmm. that, that's how i go with the decks i really want to play like my favorite favorite decks like my peters right like x, x peters like uh i'm gonna learn that deck inside and out because it's one of the best decks in the world and i think that uh it's just great to play and there are weaknesses but i can minimize those i can i can navigate those as long as i know that they're coming so once you do that and you know your deck inside and out all 36 cards you can name them each house like all 12 cards and stuff how they interact where you want to go you think you have your game plan and stuff like that my guess is that you have some extra decks laying around the house what you do is you grab a random deck you look at it for two minutes and then you put it aside put it down and then on a piece of paper you write out these are the key cards blah 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 blah. these are the cards that, that that threaten me these are the cards that do this this and that and write your notes of what you went through your head when you did that two minute drill then flip the deck over look at the card and compare hard hard compare like um and take time to look at it and like do a hard compare and see how much you hit and how much you missed. Um, it's, it's a really like basic drill, but it really will help your game and help you to um, better evaluate things in your deck in your deck. And then you can even get online and play yourself if you make two TCO accounts. If you want to go to the full like uh, crazy limit, um, and you could play that deck that you thought and see how it plays against you, and then you can make notes on that. And then you basically starting to build your deck now. And this is for like that one deck, the the deck that you think is your deck, right? That's what we're talking about at this point. Um, that's what you should be finding and focusing on once you figure out what that is. Um, and that one deck needs to you need to have ways to win and stuff. And sometimes it's easy to see, sometimes it's not so easy to see. So what do you think of that for crazy? I love it. I mean, I so I have not done it, <laughs> but but I recognize that it's a wise thing to do, right? And and you know, I think so. I, I've not physically written things down, but I do try to if I'm going to play in an event and I know I'm going to play an event in advance and I know I'm going to bring a certain deck, I'll try to play with that deck a few times to get my head back into the space of that deck. Mm -hmm. I think if I actually wrote down some more detailed notes. Um, that would be that would be helpful. That would help me get back to the headspace a lot more easily, and probably help me find some additional things to do with that deck. Yeah. So flow charts to me, I think are are a good way to do it because they give you a visual. And like when you think about how I tr like my training experience from the military is what kind of put me into this mindset. But like I've always learned that if you speak it, you write it, you see it, you hear it. Like the more senses you put into your your preparation, the easier it is to memorize things. And when I was doing code and stuff for the as a cryptologist, like we had to memorize like long lines of numbers, letters, what they all mean, and this and that. And the easiest way to do it was just to write it, speak it, read it talk to somebody have discussion about it feedback right um and like you, that's how you you ingrain these things into your memory better than just to tr think that you're going to be able to pick the deck up play it and then be great at it like um so that's why i i, I recommend the method that i use because it works for me but it, i it, it's you all everybody has to find their way to do it and mine is a bit ocd and crazy but <laughs> well i know there's there's uh, some popularity around this right i know that um there's the what NARP system now, right? That uh, Call of the Discovery is uh, recommends. I looked at the their, their sheet a bit, and I was like, oh, maybe I should try this or try one of these methods. Um, 
I do think it would help me. I do think it would help me. I need to go hear about that. I haven't I haven't caught that one. Oh, NARP, they renamed CD-ROM to, to NARP, which was, of course, as they'll state, a total coincidence and accident that it it wasn't, but, you know. <laughs> um, but it, it, that was a good episode, and uh, there's, a, there's a document that, that lays out if you play, was it 50, 100, or 150 times, depending on um, how deep you want to go with that deck, what you learn from it, and there's a whole way to fill out information about the deck, and NARP stands for something. I forget what it is. Oh, that sounds interesting. I have to go check that out. So there you yeah. go. Call of Discovery. Go check it out. Zach Armstrong mm-hmm. and Ed Pollock. Um, great content always. Like uh, I catch them when I can catch them, but I'm I'm behind on that. Um, you know, there's a lot of actually really good. Like since we're in noob school right now, let's talk a little bit about this. Let's give some shout-outs. Like uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot. There's a lot of other podcasts. If you're listening to this one and you want to learn more, Bouncing Death Quirk is old, kind of dated, but still very relevant. Um, probably considered to be one of the best for new players like um i think still even with the out of date yeah. kind of content um they really covered things in a very competitive and good mindset um lots of good information that comes there a lot of base stuff that is still um incorporated um you have call of discovery like we just talked about a wonderful sh- uh, show with ed and, and zach um <laughs> that's a very weekly on time very consistent uh, show um very professionally done it's great not like us we're clowns but their their stuff is their stuff is great um then you have archon's corner um with z Mm -hmm. wookie ewok and sheep and all those uh kind of fun super informative and uh very entertaining in in my opinion um you have time they have have good banter for sure yeah yeah you have time shapers with aurora and uh in tech that um comes out as well that one is um always informative and stuff and uh always high quality um so it's a good listen to listen through um, we also have help from future self, uh, which, which, uh, has Blake, who's one of my, my favorite people to talk to about, uh, streaming and stuff. Uh, he's been very helpful to me. Him and Wookie were basically my, my two guys that like, when I had questions, when I first started out, they were there to answer. Um, but he, they just brought on, uh, SC Steel as an, as a third person with fuzzy or scuzzy Gruen, sorry. And, uh, Blake. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's a absolutely phenomenal podcast as well. If you haven't been listening to that. Um, who am I forgetting? I know there's always people out there. There's, well, so there's some ones out there. So there's a new one. Uh, I don't know if you've checked it out yet. Captain's Compod. Um, it's uh, it's just one dude, but uh, he talks a bunch about uh, just Keyforge topics and whatnot. So uh, I've been listening to him just to see, uh, to see where he takes it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple that are, I would say, on hiatus, right? So there's uh, Sanctimonious. Uh, they're they're on a hiatus. I don't. I don't know if they're coming back or not. But they they had some really good content for for a while. Um, also, some guys, uh, the keys to ESP. They put out a few episodes, and they're they're on a little bit of a hiatus right now. Um, don't don't know if they're going to come back or not. But uh, there, you know, there's a bunch of different folks uh, making content uh, out there for for your audio listening pleasure. Yeah, there's a, there's a new one too, a Friday one that was based like his it's by kirk i know that is the name of it but it, if you see it on keyforge in the uh the, the keyforge lounge facebook page thing uh he it almost looks like national geographic but <laughs> it's a, it's actually a pretty good he's doing a pretty good job on fridays and, and doing cool things with uh 
you know, showing off things and stuff and dark tidings and stuff. So that's cool. Check um, that out. Yeah. There's a lot of really great Twitch content out there as well for you new players as well. So make sure you're, you're checking out Twitch for like Laver- Lavernous Twitch. There's uh, KFPL. There's uh, Justice Blinded is on Twitch. Uh, and sometimes when he streams, uh, you have the Screech Babom uh, guys that are doing KFPL uh, stuff. Um, lots and lots of games to get out there and watch and stuff on that. And then you have yeah. like Call of the Week doing YouTube with. Uh, take that smarty pants doing youtube and uh some twitch like you know there's just lots and lots of content if you don't know about it go to the kfpl tpr yeah yeah go to the kfpl website um we are updating everything right now and um the i believe the media links are now in there and um we are basically trying to get that up to speed for you and making it look great so check out the kfpl website um this is longer than we meant to go with the uh, the noob school but uh <laughs> we i, I we, f- we felt that we feel like that's our target our audience is new to mid-range players um so i don't mind wasting well i shouldn't say wasting i don't mind wasting, you're wasting my time right now I, 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 I don't mind i don't I, I don't i don't mind i don't mind like spending some of the extra time that we would have been talking about the cards that we're <laughs> going to talk about giving you information that is going to be more relevant to you um, and helping you find better things. Cause we're not the end all solution for anything. Um, we're pretty much the clowns that like to have fun talking about Keyforge, but uh, mm-hmm. there, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that are going to present it more technically and probably cleaner for you. And if that's your, that's what you're looking for, go find it. Uh, I would highly recommend bouncing death quirk as your, as your starting point. If you're looking for a pure, like good um, organization to like how the game is, structured and how to play the game um there like i said they don't make them anymore they went for a whole year and uh but that year was super solid and like even now with some of the outdatedness like you'll hear some of the outdatedness like a lot of their theories and stuff are not incorrect they're still correct to this day so um because keyforge they're just done with coda in mind right because they were pretty much all pulled out during coda maybe a little bit during aoa i'm during aoa but uh yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, but so, but listen to the basics. That's what you need to pick up. And then you need to formulate your own system, right? Everybody has to figure out what they're doing um, and that you have to do it yourself. Um, DOK is not the final answer. Uh, we are not the final answer. Nothing is the final answer. The final answer is the quest and the journey of discovery that you have with that deck that you love so much. Um, and that's for you and that deck to figure out. And then hopefully nobody else figures it out and you go win a Vault Tour. That's the game. <laughs> that's the game plan. So, <laughs> so Just do that. Easy, easy. Three easy steps. Yeah, yeah, three easy steps. One, two, three. All right, so let's get to the, to the meat of the podcast and like what we are here to do but uh since we were talking about early mid and late game stuff and whatever we decided that we're going to give you a three for on uh on cards this week so i'll let mm-hmm. uh i'll let drascore do the intro since i've been talking for yeah the last yeah so so right so we decided to do instead of uh, a deep dive on just one card right do three cards we thought we'd pick ones that were related to noob school this go round picks uh, uh three cards that were good uh, good early cards, good cards to play early, and um, I purposely, I immediately, as soon as you said three, I immediately went to these. But I was like, no, 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 I'm going to pick different three for our early discussion, so we don't, you know, use half our talking points <laughs> in in noob school. We did, we did the no, the no look high five on that, like like in the wrestling, like they had the no look high five for the guys in NXT the way, uh, because like I did the same thing. I was like, who, which three did we pick again? Oh yeah, don't don't say those three cards. Yep. we wanted to have nope. more meat for this, but <laughs> so. But, like, take it away. Give us the three cards. Right. Give All us right. some intro, and uh, we'll get this. So, so let's do. Let's talk about the first card. So the first card is 
memory chip. It is an artifact, a Logos artifact, an item. It says, after you choose Logos as your active house, archive a card. So this is this is a good early card in many ways because it, it's as effective as the number of subsequent times you're going to call Logos. Right? And archiving is really strong. So if you can get this card out early and you have a deck that wants to play a bunch of Logos, you can archive a whole bunch of cards and get a ton of value out of this thing. Whereas if you get it late in the game, you you may not call Logos again, or you might only call Logos once, and you're not going to get as much value as as you otherwise might. So um, I, I think this is a good a good early game card. Yeah, I think I, I think it's a good early game card because it is upping. It's almost like drawing an extra card, but not giving your opponent a chance to draw an extra card, right? So like you're getting a lot of value in the idea that you're going to get through your deck quicker and that you get to kind of set up bigger things by having things in your archive. So card is just kind of like self-explanatory of how good it is, right? And like when you have, <laughs> when you have stuff like, like Heart of the Forest and stuff with it and things like that, like there's a lot of cards that just empower its goodness, like uh, like how good it is, like uh, Data Forge, right? Like Memory Chip and Data Forge happen to be really good together um, because they basically let you keep putting cards into your hand that eventually turn into a key, so... Um, yeah. yeah, so this is like a basic kind of easy to use, e- like put it in play, instantly goes to work, not hard to execute uh, early game card, right? Like really, really solid, really, uh, yeah, really, really and, good. Uh, but it is also one of those cards where I think understanding your deck, reading your deck and figuring out uh, not just that you want to play it early, but what do you want to archive? uh is is important right and um you know so in some decks you may look and say hey i really want to archive a whole bunch of shadows cards because um you know i've got some some you know i got a tmtp or i've got um a a bunch of steel that i want to wait for the right moment to to go in on um and uh i know that a lot of my house shadows maybe is stuff that i want to play sort of all at once and then if you can just call Logos as often as you can, archive away a whole bunch of Shadows cards, don't call Shadows that much, play your third house more often, and then you can come come late game with a big Shadows play, or any house that might be for your deck, but Shadows in this example, that can be really, really strong. So having thought as to what either set of cards or type of cards or house that you want to archive away with that repeated... Uh, effect can be can, can be really good yeah that's the linear thought with uh with uh memory chip but here's the advanced thought with memory chip oh, right? oh give it to me uh like the advanced thought is this is that you know your deck so well and you know how you're drawing and like you have the flow of the game so well like how your deck is played that you can now archive the card that is least relevant it doesn't have to be the same house it has to be i'm going here like i know then the next couple turns i need to get to logos so i need to draw more cards to get to that logos so therefore i'm going to make sure i move my other two cards to the side like my other two houses to the side um okay well like which house like you said which house is going to give me the most value you know waiting for like this is definitely the house that's farthest away but turn to turn that could change with the cards that you get in your hand right so having this like 
the ability to mix your archive and put different things in your archive to set up a longer term plan sometimes is, is really interesting because instead of just going for one house archived for value, you can literally like build a house set in your archive that says cool now i can go into the logos and then i can go into this my second house and then i can play my third house and get super value off of it because i know my deck so well and i know how i want to lay it out does that make sense yeah totally totally you know and i think there's there's an aspect to to reading your opponent's deck too right if you know that they want to establish a big board um squirreling away uh, the right amount of of creature control cards to take care of that right creature at the right time, right? Maybe the Primus Ungust or something that they're going to try to um, ward, so you need a double kill or something for it. And if you can squirrel that away instead of having to to hold on to it or, or worry about am I going to have it at the right moment, um, thinking ahead about that can be can be really useful. Yeah, and you could also have the idea that like you have the recovery tool to what they're going to do, right? Like if you know they're going for the board wipe or if they're going to quicksilstone you and stuff like that. Do you have the answers? Yeah, if you put them in the archive, you do, right? So this is why Desenia is such a great card. Like uh, we'll talk oh, yeah. more, we'll talk about more about Desenia <laughs> in the mid game, but like yeah, uh, yeah, but like archiving is such a wonderful tool when they have no way to interact with your archive, um, because totally because it basically helps you like become an artist right like you have this big block of clay and you basically are going eh, take some of this away put it over there for later i might need that to make a nose or blah 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 and just keep going mm-hmm. with, with the crazy art thing but yeah i think a uh, memory chip like i said pretty it seems pretty simple and it is pretty yep. simple in thing but again you can you can next level it um with proper preparation yep. so yep. that's so speaking of preparation let's flip it around so Ooh. what if your opponent's got a memory chip or two memory chips or something, what are you going to try to do to prevent all of this from happening? Right now, now maybe the answer control? is, <laughs> maybe there's not, but, but, uh, but let's pretend, let's pretend either I don't yet have the artifact control or, or it's later in my deck. Maybe I brought something without, without hard R, right. You know, um, um, you know, I think the, the other thing you want to be thinking about in that case is, well, how often are they going to be able to go into logos, right? So maybe how much should I prioritize uh, using maybe my my one poltergeist on on the memory chip versus some other artifacts they have? Um, and if they can, if they have like a whole bunch of of creatures, right? Maybe they're going to try to go into it a whole bunch. Um, how do you take out those creatures such that? it is less valuable for them to just sit on logos and you give them harder decision as to calling logos and archiving or, or doing something else, right? Anytime you can make your opponent uncomfortable about what house to pick, you're, you're probably doing something right. Yeah, when you're, when you're going next level, you're basically putting your opponent in the house you know that they're going to go to, right? Like, because then you can better plan your next turn. Um, that's why you see people like Corey Than when he plays like computer. He <laughs> plays fast, 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 takes a turn to kind of think about things. And he plays fast, 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 takes a turn to think. Is because when he's playing fast, that means you're playing on his algorithm. Like he knows where you're going and what you're doing. And uh, a lot of times when you get towards the end of the deck, he'll tell you exactly what's going on. Um, and he knows what he, what's happening because he shaped that. Like he he's, you know, he's smart enough to read a card, understand, memorize cards, like and figure out his game lines and stuff like that. And he knows exactly where he wants to go or where, what he has to do to get there. And, um, you know, there's a lot of players that do that. Like Dammit is really good at that. Uh, you know, 
uh, Kiwi, Erie Daly, like all the top players that I know from the KFPL, they all do that. Shaka, like Monster, at, at just making reads and knowing what, what is happening in the game. They know they lost before they, that sometimes their opponent know they won. So, like, uh, <laughs> and, and like uh, so it's just one of those things where the better you get at doing this, the less, like, you blame RNG for your, for your luck, right? Like, uh, sure. like, uh, there is RNG. I'm not denouncing, oh, sure. denouncing the fact that there's RNG, but a lot of times what looks like, oh man, you got so lucky is really, you just got outplayed. Like they, they, they were angling for what they were angling for and they hit it. It would seems like timeliness, um, because they know it was there. It was, it was, it was an option. Even some of these like late game wild wormholes into key, key cheats and stuff like that. There's, definitely a angling to that and there's definitely a i got a higher probability of making this crazy play because i put myself in a position to be there with a good mathematical outcome so sure um don't fall short on the idea some people yes they just randomly get there and rng i don't count so when i <laughs> that's why rng is bad to me because i don't really really ever angle unless i'm playing something super serious so like uh my RNG is always horrible because I never do it. And that's why I play Gambling Den, because I like to gamble every turn. <laughs> I was watching a game the other day. You literally gambled, like, every turn. I was, I was watching you, man. It's <laughs> as long as my percentage is above what I want it to be, I gamble. There you go. I won't tell you, you my percentage, because it's, 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 it's ass nine. But It's like um, 5%, maybe 6 No, you know? no, yeah. no. Actually, I played, a game <laughs> I, other, I, played a, I played a game the other day. I didn't gamble once with my Gambling Den, so... Oh, uh, oh. So. But with that said, let's uh, move on. I think we've yeah. destroyed memory chip. Um, but did. Great card. But uh, let's move we on to another. one of its cousins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's another artifact. Uh, it's uh, it's also in Logos. Uh, and I can't tell you its name. Because it's redacted. <laughs> so I got a an artifact. It's, uh, yeah, called Redacted. And uh, the type is redacted in brackets after you choose logos as your active house put one ember from the common supply on redacted when there are four or more redacted destroy it and forge a key at no cost so i mean maybe the maybe the question of why why is this an early card is maybe obvious right because you have to again call logos a bunch in order to trigger it right if you get this end of the game you're not going to have four more turns let alone four turns to call yeah, this, card, logos. this card is either played early or discarded. Like that's mm-hmm. the way I look at it. <laughs> so, yep. But, yep, yep, yep. But this one again, pretty straight, straightforward. Um, it's a win con. Like mm. it's a, it's a late game as well as an early game. It's an early game in the idea that you want to play it early, right? But like it's also like a, a closer for you too. Like this is a card that can make your third key. And um, if your opponent doesn't have a way to catch up with it or deal with it, like this is a very like I'm just gonna call logos and win kind of card um, when you get to a certain point. So um, yeah, I, I like that it can also give your opponent tough decisions, right? Because they're thinking about okay, he's making his progress towards his third key. I gotta um, you know use Ember Control. I gotta do this, that, the other thing to prevent uh, prevent him from getting to that spot. But now they also gotta worry about well, if I if it's um, too valuable for for me to call logos then they're going to want to have to also try to get me to stop doing that so so i like that it makes my life the life of my opponent uh harder uh if i can play it out early yep because it's basically like if they don't have a hard like artifact removal or some kind of stuff you know it could destroy you but cons of this card is that there's a lot of cards that just take artifacts 
Sure. So you could be building towards this uh, key, have three amber on it ready to make your key next turn, and then they borrow it, or they <laughs> or they snecklifter it. Like uh, yes. Then yes. they can call logos next turn, even if they don't have logos, and still call logos because they have redacted now, and make a key. <laughs> so, sure. So there, there, there's definitely high sides and low sides to this, and this is where preparation and understanding where your deck is going and planning your deck matters. So, um, you know, good. This is a good card to be on this list because it gives you that idea of like, you know, like, is it worth me playing redacted? Maybe I just need to right. discard it because, yep. um, like, there are decks that will abuse you for having it and playing it. So. Yeah. And, and I think it's also a good card to practice understanding your deck right because there will be like you can get a redacted deck well where you'll look at it and say oh cool it's got a redacted and you try to play it and it actually makes you do worse because that deck does not want to call logos over and over again right and so you maybe you get it on turn four or something you really try to push it and you're just calling inefficient turns after inefficient turn and uh, then so you, you make a you lot of, of it. So you you lose the game because you make bad decisions. Mm, there you go. Mm. You brought it back, back <laughs> to the beginning. Yes, and it doesn't. Now there seem, are. And it doesn't seem like a bad decision because you're moving towards a key, right? But every time you hamstring yourself, like there's definitely like a long-term consequence, right? It's like it's trade-offs. It's like throwing the pebble, throwing the pebble in the water, right? The ripples are going to move. And, it's very, uh, very zen, yeah. very zen comment. <laughs> yeah. So, like when you throw the, the the pebble in the water, those ripples are what make the game better or worse for you. And, uh, and in this case, redacted could be a trap. What a trap. <laughs> May the force be with you. There you go. Yes, we just we just passed. I had I had tons of fun throwing some uh, Star Wars backgrounds on my Zoom. I always have Star Wars calls, right? but yes. <laughs> so, final thing I'll say about Redacted is uh, there are some rare, fun tricks you can do with Redacted. They're kind of hard to find, but uh, mm -hmm. if you have an animator, <laughs> um, you can animate your Redacted. And then, if you've got capture icons or or you've got a um, uh, the uh, what the fountain? Oh my gosh. Can't think of the name of it. Not Gorm of Om. What's the fountain that captures when you destroy your, your opponent's uh, creature? There you go. Yep. And <laughs> uh, you can put Ember on Redacted that way. Um, it is not... There's not a lot of ton of decks out there that do that. So, But that is a, a tricky thing you could potentially do. Um, but you can also use it right offensively. Maybe your opponent's playing a Redacted. You have uh, Animator out. And then you can just go and kill the redacted and get their ember right? which is kind of kind of cool so uh, just a fun little bonus trick with uh with redacted these are not premium lines by the way no but they're fun <laughs> they're they fun. fun i do have an alert set up for this cool thing the super oh, if it has this that the blah 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 it, the alerts never triggered for me <laughs> it's so it's so rare to to get that right combo of stuff so anywho Drazcourt lives in Keyforge Christmas Land. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to see the ultimate in all combos, and this is yes. a lot. Of, this is what a yes. lot of people do, like when new sets come out, right? Like they all hype, hypothesize on spoilers about how awesome this deck is going to be because of these cards and these things it does. And I've 
since Coda into AOA, I, I fell for it there. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. Oh, my God, look at all this. And then I was like, okay, never again. Because <laughs> the algorithm well, dictates what is going to be good and bad based on sure. what you can get out of it. And um, honestly, like a lot of these like dream combos might happen once, <laughs> twice. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, what's the reality of the card and how good a card is? Like uh, I right. used to, like when we were doing our thing, one of the cards we talked about was science. I'm not a fan of science anymore. I don't think it's that good because you have to play like a bunch of logos like spells inside of the logos house, which seems great, right? Like seems like it's where you want to be, and there are probably decks where science is great, but playing science itself for nothing seems to, great, yeah. seems to put you backwards, right? Like a little bit backwards, and then you get value yay out of your extra cards, but like. Yeah, you either need you either need like a bunch of phase shifts or maybe just a whole bunch of multiples of science. Yeah. Um, this is I, our, uh, this is our dark tiding sidebar. <laughs> I may have I may have and and I I don't know I actually don't suspect the deck is actually that amazing, but I think I'm just so hungry for dark tidings decks. I I just bid on a quadruple science deck. No, so, I saw that. I saw that one. I'll, you saw that one? Yeah, that, that was me. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see where that one goes. I'll have fun with it. But but this is part of the reason, by the way, I limit myself to that 30, 30 bucks because I will buy these goofy things and have fun with it. Um, but if I let myself go more than thirty dollars, I would I would do bad things. So yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> I, just, I just I just bought two decks for like a good amount. Um, but they're, mm, but, but, mm-hmm. they're, but they're, but they're, one of them is Jupiter in Chinese. I had to buy that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. It's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Mm. So I have four Chinese decks in my, in my arsenal now. So that's nice. Like, pretty fun. And they all have great names. Cool. Cool. So, of course you gotta get a translate. Unless you're Chinese. I use but, Google uh, translate. Yeah. That's where I got they're, it. But sure. The, sure. Sure. But the, uh, I have them all listed on DOK. All my decks that are foreign now, I have the English listed in notes. So if you open, notes, uh, you can see you all, all my awesome, cool names that I've, I've found recently. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, with that last to say, I, I mean, I don't want to like burn anybody or sting them per se, but let's get to <laughs> this last. Let's get to this last. Uh, well, that makes me think of a card. <laughs> <laughs> Another artifact. Who would have thought? It is the sting. Uh, it gives you an ember when you play it. It's a vehicle. Right? Only a few of those. Uh, it says, and this is a wacky one, right? Skip your forge a key step. You get all ember spent by your opponent when forging keys. Hmm. Then action, destroy the sting. Nice. So, seems, yeah. Seems good. It Like, it does and it doesn't at the same time, right? Because getting all your opponent's ember when they forge, like, that seems amazing. Skip your forge a key step. That doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> so this is, like, one of those ones, like, like with um, Redacted, seems great early, right? And But it's really a closing card, right? Like, it's early game play, late game win, right? Um, Sting mm-hmm. is kind of like one of those early game play, mid game value yeah. right like because you want to basically get off of your sting however you can once you get that six amber burst from it and then get to making your keys to catch up right like and it's kind of like a play pine card um it's one where you have to kind of it's like horse racing where you want to be right at that back getting that drift off of the guy in front of you and then at the last minute you want to make your moving run around them like that's the amber race with uh sting right like the idea is like you drift get on that bumper if you're a nascar guy like you get that drift wind and then when you get enough energy you just fly by them 
um, and they nothing they can do about it. That's how Sting plays. Um, it's absolutely valuable when you understand how it works and if your deck uses it well and can manipulate it to be great. Um, yeah. So. It, so it, it's tricky though, right? I very tricky. Especially one one of the early decks I got. Uh, when I first started playing Head Sting, and I definitely screwed myself a few times where it was feeling so good, but then by the time I actually killed the thing, it was it, it didn't matter. Like I had a huge pile of Ember, but I just didn't have enough turns left. Like they were going to win before me. So it so if you because so, if you walk through the timing, it, it's pretty slow, right? So let's pretend for a second we don't have a key cheat because that makes things way easier. But if I don't have a key cheat, so imagine turn whatever turn X, right? You call shadows, you play Sting. Right? And then, best case, on your opponent's next turn, they forge, and you get all that ember. Mm-hmm. And then, at best, and I'm you can't see me put best in air quotes here, but at <laughs> best, <laughs> at the next turn, you call shadows uh, again, uh, or maybe a house that you have artifact control in, you don't forge, <laughs> uh, and you action destroy this, the Sting. Now I'm I'm why am I putting at best in quotes here, right? Because now you've just called shadows two turns in a row, uh, in the in the shortest time. And often shadows is not a house you want to call two turns in a row. Right. Um depends. and then the it does depend. There are definitely uh decks that that's good, right? But it's less common. Yeah, like narrow the hypothetical though, is like the idea here is that Sting is always putting you behind a little bit. Like no matter what, like it's going to slow you down. So whatever it is that you're paying, the sting is the setup and there has to be a payoff, right? It's kind of like binite rupture, right? Like when you do the binite, right. like the binite rupture, you want to have a graft or you want to have a helper bot into a, you know, a key cheat or something like there has to be a payoff. And sting is a, definitely a card that is played and very hard to find a payoff for. Um, but yep. I, I do like them the best index where there is like, artifact control like i play sting you make a key i get that six amber and then i'm able to go oh cool i'm going to reclaim by nature my sting get two extra amber off of that get it out of the way take your six amber plus that two amber use my chodo yay that's that's prime stinging right like but uh, does it work like that most of the time when you see sting no i mean most of the time you don't (laughs) have chodo nature's call right i mean if you do that's great right and there have been some really strong decks that have that but uh often you're 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 rolling dice, right? You're you're trying to hold them off, and uh, and and sometimes you're go up against a deck where this just isn't going to work well for you, right? If they've got TMTP or they've got interdimensional graft or or something like that, right? There are phenomenal sting decks, but they're very hard to play yeah. correctly most of the yep. time. And most people that are new to the game, like like the, the people that we're kind of targeting. You're going to have headaches from it because it's just going to seem great, but it's never going to be good because you have to know how to play from behind before you can learn to play with Sting. Yep. And uh, playing from behind is tricky in Keyforge because if they if they can basically put their foot down on the pedal and go, you're not going to catch up. Like, it's yep. it's really hard um, if you yep. don't know how to trap that. Like, Sting is, is, is cool until you get grafted. Like, it's cool until you get Everessence Principled. Mm-hmm. It's cool until you can't get rid of it and you get stuck not being able to make a key two turns in a row and they just let the mm-hmm. like, continue to pile amber on you so they can take it back with it too much to protect. Like, mm-hmm. there's just too many ways for Sting to bite you in the butt. But, yeah. Um, it, 
Yeah, I think it, especially in Archon, right? Because they know you have it, they can plan around it, uh, and and just set you up for for pain. Um, I think it's a little better in Sealed, right? Because you're you're playing against less, you know, super top consistent top level cards, and they may not know it's coming, right? They probably don't know it's coming, and um, it can be pretty good in Sealed, I think. But again you have to be really careful with that timing. And if you don't have the artifact control, you don't have the key cheat, it can be dangerous. It can be a dangerous play. Yep. So this is, again, one of those situations where you really need to know your opponent's plan. And if you see a sting, you need to know what they're trying to do with it. And if you have a sting, you have to, you know, really think about how you execute when and how or what you want out of it. Um, yep. So not an easy card to play, but uh, it's still a lot of fun if you get it in the right circumstance and the right kind of lineup but um there's a lot more decks that suck with sting than there are that are great with sting i will say that sure sure yeah and if you see if your opponent has sting it's going to give you like you already were were thinking about holding on to tmtp maybe too much well this might give you a reason to truly hold on to it right um if if you think they're going to play it uh, you know, it can be just such a, a crushing windfall to to forge and then get all that all that ember back or, or a lot of that ember back. It could be real real powerful. Yep, and that's all I got really for today. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Do I think anything juicy to talk about from this week. Anything juicy? I mean, I so so we're close. We are close to having more dark tidings cards uh, decks. I still I, I opened all the ones in my box, my Canadian box that I had shipped to me, and I had a bunch of fun playing them, and I'm going to continue playing them. But I don't have anything killer yet, nothing like crazy amazing. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting my uh, additional additional boxes, get some more decks, and just play more Dark Tidings. I've had fun. I've had fun with them for sure. Yeah, I can't wait till the uh, Tuesday chain bound or the Tuesday draft things that we do at Sheep are gonna have dark things. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Over in uh, corner. Yep. That's how I've been expanding match. Uh, numbers mm-hmm. because I just play mass mutations all the time, but dark tidings will definitely take over because I'm I'm very comfortable at this point with all my other sets. Like I just did my. Uh, um, if you didn't see on Keyforge. Prom- or not Keyforge primarily, but the Keyforge buy sell trade and the Keyforge lounge uh, Facebook page, whatever. Um, I, I did post that I have a bunch of boxes that basically are great for new players or ABR players or things like that. They just want to bulk up. Um, my bulk is always better than bulk um, because it's really like anything under 76, I just threw into a big box and then I just started making boxes out of it. So like, uh, a lot of above average things there but they are focused like there's a price for people who i know are players because like if i know i've seen you before and stuff like that you cannot get a box for shipping but if you're a new player and you're honestly like trying to get into it or you have people that you can give me a good story that i believe you um on <laughs> i will i will i will ship it to a box of 12 a, a box that has 12 packs in it 12 12 random packs because i don't like i said i didn't really pay attention i just packed you might get a box that has a bunch of 70s in it like like you get lucky Wait. you get lucky when i did but like uh yeah the, uh, the idea is like uh, most of the decks are like still above average and uh which the average is 68 ish so like uh most of it, the boxes should still be really good um and like if you're a new player and you're just looking to learn how to play the game there's a lot of really cool decks that are in there still um and there's a lateral shift in 
one of them um, with a, a pretty nice deck. Um, and then there's uh, all other kinds of like cool cards that just like they have like one or two houses that are really good and maybe a third house that's not as good. But like so they're not competitive enough for me, but they are perfectly fine for new players. And for the price of eight dollars to get 12 packs you can't get any cheaper than that i don't believe pretty good um it's pretty good pretty good it's pretty good um so that's shipping basically it's eight something eight dollars and change for to ship it to you so like you get it for eight bucks like which is like cheaper than shipping so that's pretty amazing Mm-hmm. i like it Good stuff. So Good new stuff. players, I think. And then if you are um, a player that wants to learn French, I have two bulk boxes of Worlds Collide, <laughs> mostly French. Um, there's 100 mm-hmm. plus decks in each of the two boxes. One box has oh, a play, wow. has a blank play mat in it as well because it, it was uh, a little bit like the way it was packed was different and um, it had space. So I stuffed a play mat in there to uh, make it so it didn't jiggle so much. So those are out there and i think i i said like 50 bucks or whatever for the box complete box of 100 plus around about i'll say 100 because i know they're both at least 100 probably a little bit more than 100 but um i say 100 ish that way i don't have to be hard committed in case i counted wrong mm-hmm. but but they are all in french so if you don't yeah. like if you don't like french <laughs> But if you're playing online and that's like your strict platform, then it's good because you just put it in and it comes up in English for you or whatever language you speak. Um, so those are there. Um, like I said, 50, 50 bucks probably could be talked down on those as well. But uh, like, How about uh, 40? Sure. Um, Sweet. 35. I don't know. <laughs> I'm talking to you down right now. I don't know. <laughs> you, you, you buy both boxes at once. I, I, I'll, I'll sell them to you for 35 each. Ooh, look at that, guys. I'm about 32 each. No, 35 is it. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> that's if you're buying them right now. Ooh, ooh, all right, all right. And since nobody you're else... You're a listener, right? This is not me. No, no, see, this is you, because right now is... No, right no, now. no, 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 I'm not actually buying it. No, this is the dear listeners. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting a better deal for myself. <laughs> nah, but if you, if you want them, they're there. There's a, a lot of really good decks in the French boxes, I'm going to tell you that. That's where a majority of the... uh, There's a 78 deck in there that I put in there mostly because I didn't want to keep it. (laughs) I was like, Mm -hmm. if if it's a deck I would never play, like Mm -hmm. if I look at it and I'm like, yeah, I would never play this. I don't want to. I have something similar to it. Um, Mm -hmm. And with Blaze, like I have a lot of really decks, a lot of decks that are similar to Blaze. So like I was like, yeah, this is kind of like Blaze Jr. I'm not going to do that. And if you don't know what Blaze is, that's my double mimicry like super infernus no name like mill you to death deck um but uh yeah like sounds good lots of good sounds stuff good. if you if you jump if you, on it guys <laughs> yeah if you want to just reach out to me in a pm somewhere but uh all those are being thing i've actually already sold i had 18 boxes of 12 and i've already sold one two three four five six seven eight nine ten so i've sold eight of them already so nice um, yeah, because like a lot of people are like, oh, me and my girlfriend are playing or this that. And I was like, well, I'll let you buy up to two. Well, I have mm-hmm. my friend and a father and me, or we're starting to play. Well, I'll let you buy up to four. Like, you gotcha, know, gotcha, gotcha. depending on your story and how good your story is, I'll, I'll let you buy some extras if you have friends. There you stuff, go. So. Guys, remember, you're starving children in some corner of the world, and all you need to survive are these Keyforge decks. Just yeah. use that line. Yeah. You heard it here. Yeah, it'll get you zero. Oh. 
<laughs> because Drascore does not make up good stories. Oh. And just remember, I'm shipping to you, so. There you go. There you go. And like I said, you don't even have to be overly convincing because these are cards I want out of my house. That's why I, I did this mm-hmm. long. Because I did a long purge. Like I had, uh, what was it? 24 boxes of 800 card counts filled. Like, and That's I, a lot. Like, I want, and it, I got it down to like eight, like six, seven. So that is a lot. I cleared a lot. <laughs> but anyway, so that Japanese Jupiter name is Border Bureaucrat Jupiter, according to the translator. So it's pretty awesome. Mm. Japanese or Chinese? Or Chinese? Sorry, not Japanese. Chinese. Okay. Okay. And uh, but it's awesome because it has thirty estimate uh, expected ember with twenty four raw ember. Nice. So oh, yeah, that's it, a lot of raw ember. It's, yeah. it's, it's like a gassy, like just bursty, go get it deck, and it has two vaults blessings. So with seven mutants. Ooh, I do good. like those. Yeah. 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 I think it gets better over time, like as we get away from mass mutations. But what will remain to be seen. It's just a pure gas deck. I don't think I would ever play it in, in anything that uh, was overly mattered. But uh, the fact that it's called Jupiter, yeah, gotta play it. That makes it fun, right? You gotta, yeah, find those those fun names to to hang on to. Yeah, 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 I do. But anyhow, I guess that's it. Uh, I got nothing yeah. else for you guys. Um, this is Jupiter from Manlius, New York, aka the Fifth Planet Keyforge, reminding you that tomorrow, Saturday, which you won't hear, this will be late for you, but go back and rewatch <laughs> the uh, rewatch. Go back in time and rewatch the uh, the top four finals, setting up for the actual finals. Um, we have Jay Filipek versus Dave Cordero at ten, and uh, at twelve o'clock we had. Um, at this point we had um we're going to have uh lorenzo versus damn it which promises to be an epic showdown I spicy both both accounts uh, like i said j phil upsetting shaka and uh surprising mm. the world with some portuguese power and then <laughs> uh you know we have dave cordero the king of the king of uh the King of Triad was what I, I deemed him in the beginning of okay. the season. And uh, he's the guy that was, like, hands-on. Like, if I had to pick a guy, like, if I was betting money, not just going off of people I like, um, which I do like him, too. But um, So he's kind of a, a two-win for me. But um, the uh, the idea, like, uh, like if I had to pick a guy that's going to win at Triad, like, uh, Dave would be high on my list. Um, he's definitely one of the more... Like triad is his his jam, so, um, and if you look at his triad, you'll understand that. But Lorenzo and Dammit also have insanely good triads, so that matchup I'm actually very curious because it has some of the best decks in the world in that six card set, um, and they're fantastic. So, if you, hopefully you guys catch it. If you haven't caught it, go back and watch it again. Um, lots of good stuff gonna happen this weekend. Promise. And if you're not Sounds watching, good. and if you're not watching the live event, you're missing out on free decks. I gave away. Uh, like a total of 10 packages with multiple decks in most packages um, of prizes last time we did the full day stream when we were doing mm-hmm. the big tournament. So lots and lots of prizes, lots of different games I tried. I really liked Hangman, I'm not going to lie. I just sucked at it because I, I forgot <laughs> letters, but in the end, it's, it still had a winner, so that's all that matters. Yeah, it worked out. <laughs> but uh, that was on the fly, so that's why I wasn't quite ready. Yeah, the spelling's hard. So, you know. <laughs> it's not the spelling. I mean, it was spelled correctly. I just didn't put the letters down. It's like, yeah, you got mm, a couple of them, but mm. you didn't get all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Throw those curveballs. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um. But with that said, um. I think that's all the plugging I can yeah. plug. Yeah. 
we plugged quite a bit this episode, but uh, everything we plugged is legit, so go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. So, take us out. Alright, alright guys. It's been fun. Happy Forging, everyone. Have a good night. I feel like Christmas every time you say happy forging. <laughs> <laughs> but this is Jupiter from Manlius, New York, a.k.a. the Fifth Planet Keyforge, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Sounds fun. Quality card. Get the upper. Love it. Ha, ha, ha.